The Diamond Necklace by Guy de Maupassant of Dramatic Reading Seen in Story Collection, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Narrated by Betsy Walker. Mathilde Loisel, read by Sonia. Monsieur Loisel, read by Larry Wilson. Jeanne Forestier read by beth thomas Hewler, read by phone the girl was one of those pretty and charming young creatures who sometimes are born as if by a slip of fate into a family of clerks she had no dowry no expectations no way of being known understood loved married by any rich and distinguished man so she let herself be married to a little clerk of the ministry of public instruction she dressed plainly because she could not dress well. But she was unhappy, as if she had really fallen from a higher station, since with women there is neither caste nor rank, for beauty, grace, and charm take the place of family and birth. Natural ingenuity, instinct for what is elegant, a supple mind, are their sole hierarchy, and often make of women of the people the equals of the very greatest ladies matilda suffered ceaselessly feeling herself born to enjoy all delicacies and all luxuries she was distressed at the poverty of her dwelling at the bareness of the walls at the shabby chairs the ugliness of the curtains all those things of which another woman of her rank would never even have been conscious tortured her and made her angry the sight of the little breton peasant who did her humble housework aroused in her despairing regrets and bewildering dreams she thought of silent antechambers hung with oriental tapestry illumined by tall bronze candelabra and of two great footmen in knee-breeches who sleep in the big armchairs made drowsy by the oppressive heat of the stove she thought of long reception halls hung with ancient silk of the dainty cabinets containing priceless curiosities and of the little coquettish perfumed reception rooms made for chatting at five o'clock with intimate friends with men famous and sought after whom all women envy and whose attention they all desire when she sat down to dinner before the round table covered with a tablecloth in use three days opposite her husband who uncovered the soup tureen and declared with a delighted air ah the good soup i don't know anything better than that she thought of dainty dinners of shining silverware of tapestry that peopled the walls with ancient personages and with strange birds flying in the midst of a fairy forest and she thought of delicious dishes served on marvellous plates and of the whispered gallantries to which you listen with a sphinx-like smile while you are eating the pink meat of a trout or the wings of a quail she had no gowns no jewels nothing and she loved nothing but that she felt made for that she would have liked so much to please to be envied to be charming to be sought after she had a friend a former schoolmate at the convent who was rich and whom she did not like to go see any more because she felt so sad when she came home but one evening her husband reached home with a triumphant air and holding a large envelope in his hand there said he there is something for you 
she tore the paper quickly and drew out a printed card which bore these words the minister of public instruction and madame georges ramponneau request the honor of monsieur and madame loisel's company at the palace of the ministry on monday evening january eighteenth instead of being delighted as her husband had hoped she threw the invitation on the table crossly muttering what do you wish me to do with that why my dear i thought you would be glad you never go out and this is such a fine opportunity i had great trouble to get it every one wants to go it is very select and they are not giving many invitations to clerks the whole official world will be there she looked at him with an irritated glance and said impatiently and what do you wish me to put on my back he had not thought of that he stammered why uh, the, the the gown you go to the theatre in it looks very well to me he stopped distracted seeing that his wife was weeping two great tears ran slowly from the corners of her eyes toward the corners of her mouth what's the matter what's the matter he answered by a violent effort she conquered her grief and replied in a calm voice while she wiped her wet cheeks nothing only i have no gown and therefore i can't go to this ball give your card to some colleague whose wife is better equipped than i am he was in despair he resumed come let us see matilda how much would it cost a suitable gown which you could use on other occasions uh, something very simple she reflected several seconds making her calculations and wondering also what sum she could ask without drawing on herself an immediate refusal and a frightened exclamation from the economical clerk finally she replied hesitating i don't know exactly but i think i could manage it with four hundred francs he grew a little pale because he was laying aside just that amount to buy a gun and treat himself to a little shooting next summer on the plain of nanterre with several friends who went to shoot larks there of a sunday but he said ah oh, very well i give you four hundred francs and try to have a pretty gown the day of the ball drew near and madame loisel seemed sad uneasy anxious her frock was ready however her husband said to her one evening what is the matter come you have seemed very queer these last three days and she answered it annoys me not to have a single piece of jewellery not a single ornament nothing to put on i shall look poverty-stricken i would almost rather not go at all you might wear natural flowers said her husband they're very stylish at this time of year for ten francs you can get two or three magnificent roses she was not convinced no there's nothing more humiliating than to look poor among other women who are rich how stupid you are her husband cried go look up your friend madame forrester and ask her to lend you some jewels you're intimate enough with her to do that she uttered a cry of joy true i never thought of it the next day she went to her friend and told of her distress madame forestier went to a wardrobe with a mirror took out a large jewel box brought it back opened it and said to madame loisel choose my dear 
she saw first some bracelets then a pearl necklace then a venetian gold cross set with precious stones of admirable workmanship she tried on the ornaments before the mirror hesitated and could not make up her mind to part with them to give them back she kept asking haven't you any more why yes look further i don't know what you like suddenly she discovered in a black satin box a superb diamond necklace and her heart throbbed with an immoderate desire her hands trembled as she took it she fastened it round her throat outside her high-necked waist and was lost in ecstasy at her reflection in the mirror then she asked hesitating filled with anxious doubt will you lend me this only this why yes certainly she threw her arms around her friend's neck kissed her passionately then fled with her treasure the night of the ball arrived madame loiselle was a great success she was prettier than any other woman present elegant graceful smiling and wild with joy all the men looked at her asked her name sought to be introduced all the attaches of the cabinet wished to waltz with her she was remarked by the minister himself she danced with rapture with passion intoxicated by pleasure forgetting all in the triumph of her beauty in the glory of her success in a sort of cloud of happiness comprised of all this homage admiration these awakened desires and that sense of triumph which is so sweet to a woman's heart she left the ball about four o'clock in the morning her husband had been sleeping since midnight in a little deserted ante-room with three other gentlemen whose wives were enjoying the ball he threw over her shoulders the wraps he had brought the modest wraps of common life the poverty of which contrasted with the elegance of the ball dress she felt this and wished to escape so as not to be remarked by the other women who were enveloping themselves in costly furs loiselle held her back saying wait a bit you will catch cold outside i will call a cab but she did not listen to him and rapidly descended the stairs when they reached the street they could not find a carriage and began to look for one shouting after the cabmen passing at a distance they went towards the seine in despair shivering with cold at last they found on the quay one of those ancient night cabs which as though they were ashamed to show their shabbiness during the day are never seen round paris until after dark it took them to their dwelling on the rue des martyrs and sadly they mounted the stairs to their flat all was ended for her as to him he reflected that he must be at the ministry at ten o'clock that morning she removed her wraps before the glass so as to see herself once more in all her glory but suddenly she uttered a cry she no longer had the necklace around her neck what is the matter with you demanded her husband already half undressed she turned distractedly toward him i have i have i've lost madame forestier's necklace she cried he stood up bewildered what how impossible they looked among the folds of her skirt of her cloak in her pockets everywhere but they did not find it you're sure you had it on when you left the ball he asked yes i felt it in the vestibule of the minister's house but if you lost it in the street we should have heard it fall ah it must be in the cab yes probably 
did you take his number no and you you didn't notice it no they looked thunderstruck at each other at last loiselle put on his clothes ah i shall go back on foot said he over the whole route to see whether i can find it he went out she sat waiting on a chair in her ball dress without strength to go to bed overwhelmed without any fire without a thought her husband returned about seven o'clock he had found nothing he went to police headquarters to the newspaper offices to offer a reward he went to the cab companies everywhere in fact whither he was urged by the least spark of hope she waited all day in the same condition of mad fear before this terrible calamity loiselle returned at night with a hollow pale face he had discovered nothing you must write your friend said he that you have broken the clasp of her necklace and that you are having it mended that will give us time to turn around she wrote at his dictation at the end of a week they had lost all hope loiselle who had aged five years declared we must consider how to replace that ornament the next day they took the box that had contained it and went to the jeweller whose name was found within he consulted his books it was not i madam who sold that necklace i must simply have furnished the case then they went from jeweller to jeweller searching for a necklace like the other trying to recall it both sick with chagrin and grief they found in a shop on the palais royal a string of diamonds that seemed to them exactly like the one they had lost it was worth forty thousand francs they could have it for thirty-six so they begged the jeweler not to sell it for three days yet and they made a bargain that he should buy it back for thirty-four thousand francs in case they should find the lost necklace before the end of february loiselle possessed eighteen thousand francs which his father had left him he would borrow the rest he did borrow asking a thousand francs of one five hundred of another five louis here three louis there he gave notes took up ruinous obligations dealt with usurers and all the race of lenders he compromised all the rest of his life risked signing a note without even knowing whether he could meet it and frightened by the trouble yet to come by the black misery that was about to fall upon him by the prospect of all the physical privations and moral tortures that he was to suffer he went to get the new necklace laying upon the jeweler's counter thirty-six thousand francs when madame loiselle took back the necklace madame forestier said to her with a chilly manner you should have returned it sooner i might have needed it she did not open the case as her friend had so much feared if she had detected the substitution what would she have thought what would she have said would she not have taken madame loiselle for a thief thereafter madame loiselle knew the horrible existence of the needy she bore her part however with sudden heroism that dreadful debt must be paid she would pay it they dismissed their servant they changed their lodgings they rented a garret under the roof she came to know what heavy housework meant and the odious cares of the kitchen she washed the dishes using her dainty fingers and rosy nails on greasy pots and pans she washed the soiled linen the shirts and the dishcloths which she dried upon a line 
She carried the slops down to the street every morning and carried up the water, stopping for breath at every landing. And, dressed like a woman of the people, she went to the fruiterer, the grocer, the butcher, a basket on her arm, bargaining, meeting with impertinence, defending her miserable money sou by sou. Every month they had to meet some notes, renew others, obtain more time. Her husband worked evenings, making up a tradesman's accounts, and late at night he often copied manuscript for five sous a page. This life lasted ten years. At the end of ten years, they had paid everything, everything, with the rates of usury and the accumulations of the compound interest. Madame Loisel looked old now. She had become the woman of impoverished households, strong and hard and rough. With frowsy hair, skirts askew, and red hands, she talked loud while washing the floor with great swishes of water. But sometimes, when her husband was at the office, she sat down near the window and she thought of that gay evening of long ago, of that ball where she had been so beautiful and so admired. What would have happened if she had not lost that necklace? Who knows? Who knows? How strange and changeful is life? How small a thing is needed to make or ruin us? But one Sunday, having gone to take a walk in the Champs-Élysées to refresh herself after the labors of the week, she suddenly perceived a woman who was leading a child. It was Madame Forestier, still young, still beautiful, still charming. Madame Loisel felt moved. Should she speak to her? Yes, certainly. And now that she had paid, she would tell her all about it. Why not? She went up. Good day, Jeanne. The other, astonished to be familiarly addressed by this plain good wife, did not recognize her at all and stammered. But, madame, I do not know. You must have mistaken. No, I am Mathilde Loisel. Her friend uttered a cry. Oh, my poor Matilda, how you are changed. Yes, I have had a pretty hard life since I last saw you, and great poverty, and that because of you. Of me? How so? Do you remember that diamond necklace you lent me to wear at the ministerial ball? Yes. Well? Well, I lost it. What do you mean? You brought it back. I brought you back another exactly like it and it has taken us ten years to pay for it. You can understand that it was not easy for us, for us who had nothing. At last it is ended, and I am very glad. Madame Forestier had stopped. You say that you bought a necklace of diamonds to replace mine? Yes. You never noticed it then. They were very similar. And she smiled with a joy that was at once proud and ingenuous. Madame Forestier, deeply moved, took her hands. Oh, my poor Matilda, why my necklace was paste. It was worth at most only five hundred francs. End of the Diamond Necklace